You're listening to Two Dudes, One Disc. We're the most sought-after music journalists, the greatest minds in the history of... You really gonna make me read this sh-? Just read it! Take on the most influential albums of all time. Here's your host, Michael Heideman, on Two Dudes, One Disc. Welcome in, everybody. Episode number two of Two Dudes, One Disc. Today we're looking at an amazing album that kind of blew the roof off the place with the bluesy, great vocals, heavy drum beat of, yes, Dan Auerbach and Patrick Carney, the Black Keys. And lo and behold, my good friend Eric Rung of WGN is in the hot seat as the dude today. What's going on, Eric? I am doing well, my friend. <laughs> Excited to do this, actually. I love the Black Keys. One of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, it's honestly one of the most tight-knit groups for just being two people, and I'm stoked to be looking at the album today. Brothers is the sixth studio album by the American rock duo The Black Keys, co-produced by Mark Neal and DJ Danger Mouse. Released on May 18th, 2010. Holy smokes, we're almost to the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, wow, uh, I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> of that Wait a second. I mean, ago. we planned this that yeah, way. Yeah, we did. Of course. Of yeah. course. That's the way it always is. <laughs> hey, happy anniversary, Black Keys. Um, so let's take a look at this album. I mean, it, it has so much folklore behind it. Um, Eric, why did you want to choose this album out of all the rest? This is definitely an album that I can sit and listen to from the very first song all the way to the end. And I just love it. It just gets in your soul. It just feels good. And it, it I mean, it takes you through an entire range of emotions. I mean, you, it's, there's some really fast-paced, some rocky songs, but it's just so bluesy. Mm-hmm. And it just hard cuts and just a very raw sound. I, that's the thing I love about the Black Keys. They're, they're amazing what they do. Let's, so let's look at this first song, Everlasting Light. Um, what do you, what kind of emotions does this invoke from you? Well, so th- <laughs> this is an interesting song because uh, before we had done this, um, I this was the one song on the album I would nine times out of ten I would always skip mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I, I don't know why, but I just, when it first came out, it was good. And I know, well, I know why now, because Next Girl is the next song and mm-hmm. I love that song. Oh, okay. And, okay. But this one's good and it, and it it's kind of a, to me, it's saying, um, let me, let me find love. Let me, let me, let me be that guy. Yeah, they they intro into the album a little bit smooth and kind of vibey, as most blues artists do. So maybe they weren't ready to kick you in the face with their rock just no, yet. No, not yet. They're like, you know what? Just like on any good vinyl, you want to start up a little bit slow, get the band and the people who are listening into the motion of the ocean, and then just boom. Slap cr- them right in the face. Crank it up to 10. Yep. So Everlasting Light, the first song on the album, but hey. Let's just dive into this next one and see what we think of Next Girl, a.k.a. Next Song. All right, see, see, they got the, you can already tell the blues influence from it. All right, so they kick in with a great cadence of drum beats, the, the heavy, distorted kind of ethereal guitar that you hear in the background double layered guitars and he, and Dan does all of it on really? the album yeah he does he does the bass he does the lead guitar he does the back of the rhythm guitar he does everything on the album however when they tour this was the first album I think they toured on with a five piece band wow five piece yeah and uh, before that, it was just them two. And when this album came out, I remember I was in Minneapolis. I was working there, mm-hmm. and they came to the First Avenue Club mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. Of course, made famous in Purple Rain by Prince. Oh, and, of course, of course. And, and just a really, really small venue, and they just blew the dang doors off of it. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And they come out, it was just them two first, mm-hmm. and they, they started right into it, and I mean, the the amount of sound mm-hmm. from two people mm-hmm. was incredible. And then they brought it. They're like, "Hey, we got brought some friends along." I mean, and it was just, it was great. It was unbelievable. Do you remember what song did they open with with that for that show? 
I don't remember. This would be a great song to open up. I wouldn't be surprised. This was the first one they recorded Mm -hmm. on the album uh, or for the album because it was right when Patrick Carney was going through a divorce. Oh, really? uh, And there had been some tension in the band and, and they almost didn't get together. And... They finally were like, okay, let's do this. And so uh, Dan wrote this song, and he said afterwards, like, that kind of got them all in the spirit again, or both of them in the spirit again, to really just rock it out. And, uh, you know, with the next girl, obviously, just going through a divorce. I mean, it was really, it was incredible. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense because it's talking about the next, next girl. girl. And coincidentally, when I was in Minneapolis, I when I moved there, I uh, had moved there with a woman, and we were living together. And right when this album came out, it started to go south. It was just incredible. Maybe so that's song, why I love this album so much. It was really speaking to you, it I guess. It really was. Just like I a- mean... <laughs> My next girl is going to be nothing like my ex girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful lyric. Those are seamless lyrics, and it really can touch you. Because Okay, so it's funny you say that because there is the other day. So I'm a musician here in Chicago, and um, I, pl- I played at this place called Hey Nani. And it was a great venue, and it was the first time because it was a songwriter's show, so you could only write, you could sing the only songs that you had written. And it was the first time somebody came up to me and actually talked to me about my music, and they're like, "Hey, man, you know, I I love the lyric of your song." And mind you, my music is just cheesy love songs. Like every single yeah. one of the songs is just about, oh, this girl means this to me, and this girl is. Uh, I remember the inside jokes we used to have about talking to each other and going to Los Angeles or the line that he connected with was matching t-shirts and flying to LA. Mm -hmm. And it was so weird because that's really what we did. We were like dorky and we matched our t-shirts and we flew to LA and he was like, yeah, I can really mean to that. But for me, it was, it was San Francisco. And I'm like, damn, when you repeat back my lyrics to me, I sound like a total dork. <laughs> and so, like hearing like the the fact that pa- Patrick and Dan could write um, these lyrics and then c- connecting with you and oh, actually yeah. like moving and remembering that part of your life as a, as associated with this song is a, it just speaks to, to the immense power of music. I oh, feel like. absolutely! I, I mean, there are always those songs that you have in your life where you know exactly where you were when you mm-hmm. first heard this song and. This whole album is like that to me. I remember, I, I just totally remember walking around a uh, park, listening to this album. It was a three-mile park, and I would listen to the whole damn album going around trying to figure out what the hell my next move was going to be. I mean, really? I lived with a woman. I, I mean, it, was, it wasn't an easy, uh, it wasn't an easy breakup. Was this one of those like long conversation, you're like long drawn out relationships where finally you're like, oh, she's back in that house and she's not going to leave. I can't go back. <laughs> well, it was like I it. would take these long walks because I didn't want to go home. Yeah, I've been in those relationships before. I remember those when I'm just like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll take, uh, even though I can get faster down this alley, I'm just going to walk around the park, maybe stop at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. I might might get a drink. Or seven. <laughs> well, it, it just speaks It speaks to it. And by the way, I'm so sorry for that long, drawn-out story to get to the point of the power of music, because I think it oh, speaks for itself. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, these guys are fantastic. You know, actually, I mm-hmm. uh, one more thing about these guys. Their first album, The Big Come Up, mm-hmm. they were just jamming, and they, would, they were making up the lyrics as they went. Oh, they didn't really? write them out at all. Huh. Which, to me, I, I read that. I was like, that is incredible. Because, I, I mean, they're bluesy songs. Yeah. But, um, I mean, even more bluesy, I would say, than these. But, I mean, they're just powerful. And they're just so, I mean, the guitar is so strong. It's it's funny you say that because a lot of blues music, I think, is made from just being like, da-na-na-na, she broke my heart. Da-na-na-na-na. And then I said I wouldn't go. Da-na-na-na-na. And then she took away my, my money. Da-na-na-na. <laughs> and now I'm home alone. That's something like yeah, that. this is the goofiest episode. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should tighten up these stories with our oh, next song. Oh, look at that! Tighten up. Oh, this is the music video, by the way. Most just kick right into the song. Yeah. How about that? I've never seen this video. You're giving away the fourth wall. We're supposed to be spinning the album just itself. Now oh. watching all the videos on YouTube like we were doing right now. <laughs> this is it, yeah. It's a, it's a music video about a cool, suave little boy, a dorky friend, and one little girl. 
trying to get her attention. This is, it's this so is, hard this for me not to sing right now. I just <laughs> I just love these guys. This is one of the most, uh, this is the, the song I think that got everyone's attention. Right. As far as the this Black was their, their first single off of it, I think. And they also, I believe they won some Grammys for this album, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they did, I think, win some Grammys from that. I have my notes in front of me. They, it's just, they're just so good. This album came from nowhere, and it's so simple, but it's so unique and just forthright with, with the power of sound that they have that, why wouldn't they win every single? <laughs> oh, here we go. You know, this album was actually... You were spot on. Nominated for five 2011 Grammy Awards, the, winning the biggest of all, the best alternative music album, beating out an eventual album of the year winner, Arcade Fire's The Suburbs. Oh, which is another great album. So, one of That was the album of yeah. that year, and this beat it out, which, which speaks to itself. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing album. Mm -hmm. they, they're good at what they do. We're just watching the video. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I mean, and they're just cool. It is. They're, they're. I mean, they are just cool. Yeah. Have you seen them live? I have never seen them live. I think that I've seen at, at South by Southwest. I, th I thought I saw a guy who who looked like Patrick Carney. It mm -hmm. might not have been him. Right. But but I, I've never seen them live. I've always wanted to though. I've always oh, wanted to. Man, I've so I've seen them three times. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen them once in that small venue, and then I've two on their El Camino tour. And so they were playing stadiums at that point, but playing two dude, can you even imagine that being with your best friend playing music and then being like, "Hey, we're going to go on a stadium tour right. next year." It's I mean, crazy. it's incredible. Mm -hmm. And I, the other part about this uh, that I love too is so my dad loves the Black Keys. He's also a big blues fan. Oh, nice. And so I sent this to him, and he he played it all the time. And then I got they were coming to Minneapolis again, and for this tour and. Um, I bought tickets for us, mm -hmm. and so we went to the show. But I mean, Dan, Arb he's just so cool playing the guitar. It's just, it's just you watch him play, and you you want to play. If you play guitar, you want to play like that. Yeah. He he is a he is one rad dude. The long hair, the great licks. He just looks like a blues guy. You know what? There, there I used to watch this video channel um, on Noisy.com where the, it would be one guy who would interview the bands and he would try to learn how to play guitar from these musicians. Wow. And Dan was on one of the episodes, and the way that he he was trying to teach him slide guitar. And Dan's like, yeah, I learned this uh, like two or three weeks ago. And he was like the best slide guitar player like in the entire world. That's incredible. Like, so play. And that's like a hard thing to play when you're you know, using the metal piece and you're like, wow. I tried to do that. It's ridiculously hard. I tried to do that and I, I nearly broke my hand. And, oh, jeez. And then I was like, all right, I can't play it. And did again. you play it on your ring finger or in the, your pointer finger? Because I've heard people do it both ways. I've, I, You know, it's funny you say that because I play it on my ring finger because I, I can use it the most. But I, I see people play with their pinky Pinkies too? a lot. Yeah, pinky. Hmm. Which, um, but I don't know how, how you can fret a chord while you're using the slide. It's hard because, time. yeah. I mean, I would, I could do it, but I think I, I'd like to. I think I put it on my ring. I picked it up in ages because mm -hmm. I sucked so bad at it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it was fun just to kind of hit the guitar, and go ring, ring, ring. That's that's why it's like the best. Uh, it, yeah, it's 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 such a cool blues technique that you can use as the slide guitar. Um, go and check out that video, Noisy.com. I think it was on. But you know what? Let's jump into the next song, okay. Howlin' for You. Another. Oh, this is this is a this was all over commercials too. We, we were saying before we were picking out these songs. And this album, these are all hits. These are just yeah. hit after hit. That's what I'm hits. saying. You could listen to this whole album all the way through. And since we went back, and I'm going to jump back to Everlasting Light, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I used to skip that. Mm -hmm. When I was listening to it again, getting ready for this, I was like, holy crap, this is a good song, too. Why yeah. do I keep skipping this? Well, you, you, they're in, I mean, think about it. They're in the production booth with two of the most amazing guitar players. Uh, I, I'm sorry, we got Dan playing guitar, and then you got the drummer, Patrick Carney, two of the greatest guys. With DJ Danger Mouse, I mean, just think about the creative juices that were flowing in 2010 from DJ Danger Mouse, who was making music with Gnarls Barkley, mm -hmm. and um, he made that, the, what was it, the Grey album, the mixture of, like, Jay-Z. Uh, anyway, oh, I know did, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. One of those. We just write us, soundsessionspod at gmail.com. You can find us there. But let's, th this song is amazing. This part, so catchy off the hook. 
And it's so simple too. But and it's just beautiful. And, and I love I love the use of these these pedals that they use. I mean, just think about these layered pedals because he's one guitar player going back and forth with echoey guitar chambers with that great fuzz tone, which just adds it. Cause it's he's just dirty. He's just a dirty song. It's a yeah. dirty, dirty song. Dirty. I love it. <laughs> Let's listen to it for a little bit, All I guess. I just those lyrics are just they're just beautifully written. <laughs> I just love it. Did they make up this album too, or did they just did they? Write I, don't, I didn't read that about this album that they made it up on the spot, mm-hmm. but I know they. I think they did the rhythm first, okay, and then came back and overlaid it with uh, the lyrics and everything else. So I don't know if the lyrics came first or if they had an idea. Uh, but isn't that a funny thing that like chicken or the egg thing, like the lyrics or the rhythm or the melody? I heard in massive folklore that Ozzy Osbourne wrote Paranoid in 15 minutes while, like, high and drunk. Probably. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. um, um, Oh, gosh. I think it was called, not Sound Sessions. That's That's what you're on right now. I know. But it was the... It's a world-famous podcast. um, Ah, the... um, it, it was the uh, documentary that they did about um, a sound studio in California that was about ready to close. And was it Muscle Shoals? No, that's where this this where this, this was where, recorded. Where it was that recorded. was in Alabama, though I think. Oh yeah. You're um, right. You're right. But it was um, oh my god! I the guy from Nirvana, David Grohl. Okay. It was one of his documentaries. Oh okay. And so they went to the sound studio that all these famous people went to, and Paul McCartney came in, mm. and they were writing a song with him and he uh, looked at Paul McCartney and he just said man that that was how do you do that it's just so hard he's like no it's not and I mean he just yeah. b- you know boom 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 I, I mean you, if you got it you got it I guess yeah it's 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 true I'm trying to look up that documentary for us real quick because it called uh, it was called play let's uh, see sound city that's what sound it was city, yes. sound city I, I would highly recommend it it sound is city. fantastic here's another weird thing about Dave Grohl I love him as a person. <laughs> Go on. Yes. And I think he is a brilliant musician, and I just don't like the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I really want to, you know and I just can't. You know, to all, the, to all three people who are watching on the live stream right now, you're speaking just blasphemy at the moment. Ah, I'm sorry. What about the Foo Fighters don't you like? I don't know. I what? just I want to it? like I just I want to like them. And I just there's something about their music I just can't get into. You but know, I love I love Dave Grohl. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's a great storyteller. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I really think he's unbelievably talented and I love his documentaries. I yeah. think they're fantastic. You know, there's nothing wrong with not liking that band because you just trying you love his creativity and I love it too, and I love the fact that he's worked hard and through bands like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. But we often put this these bands on the highest of pedestals i get it foo fighters are amazing they're they're so good but i'm kind of on the same boat i, I love a few of their songs and seeing them live is a is like a religious experience yeah i've never done that but they're not they're not the greatest band in the entire world and everyone is like selling out their shows and c- traveling across the world to see them mm-hmm. i don't think it's really that worth it i mean no no offense to dave girl because i know he's a huge fan of this podcast and he's yeah. probably listening to it right now on his, on his I'm, plane ride i'm surprised our phones aren't ringing <laughs> To be honest with you, you know he hasn't texted me in a few weeks, which is kind of weird. Maybe I should. Did you say something about it before? I could. Maybe I. Maybe I did. (laughs) I hope not. But and the same thing goes with Nirvana. I get it. I love Nirvana. So good. I mean, some of the greatest songs ever written were by were out of the mind of Kurt Cobain. Mm -hmm. But the greatest band of all time. Do you need to get a tattoo of them across your back? I mean, not really. No. No, you don't no. need to do that. Uh, you know, it's weird that you brought up uh, Nirvana, though, because of the, the Pearl Jam Nirvana thing. And mm-hmm. um, What's the Pearl Jam Nirvana thing? Well, they were kind of like either you were a Pearl Jam fan or you were a Nirvana fan, or at least oh, they, when I was growing up. They're definitely very similar, that's for sure. But mm-hmm. either you liked them and didn't like Nirvana or you liked Nirvana and you didn't like Pearl Jam. And, and they were both out of Seattle. They both had the same sound for the most part. I would yeah. say Nirvana was a little harder, but... Um, but I didn't start liking Nirvana until after college, really. Okay. And and then I started getting into them a little bit, and then I was like, oh, my God, I get it. Yeah. And I'm still a Pearl Jam fan, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you can. I feel like you can like both. Bands. I think I can now. Yeah. I couldn't when I was in high school. Oh no, no, no you no, had no, to no. pick. No, no, no. I could, you couldn't like a lot of bands. Isn't that funny in high school when that kind of is how you separate yourself from the group? Like if I liked punk music, there was no way in hell that I could like hip hop. It's like it wouldn't. It wouldn't go the same. <laughs> wouldn't fly. No, it wouldn't. And then if you liked Britney Spears, you might as well. Even though I did. I mean, secretly, th- those are some damn good. I albums. mean, she, she could write a hook. I mean, who out there didn't well, I don't tap know if she their wrote toe? That. Oh yeah, <laughs> somebody wrote. Saying. Good hook, <laughs> but who does that? Who out there hasn't tapped their toe to like Britney Spears or the Spice Girls at least once? In oh, their life? come on! Everybody liked the Spice Girls. That means they're an amazing band. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody secretly listened to the Spice Girls. Okay, you know what? I take it back about uh, putting those bands on a pedestal because I think that. As opposed to Nirvana and the Foo Fighters, I think some people could put the Spice Girls up on the top and then be okay with it. I, they come out with. Well, I'm sure there are people that are like that. Spice World. I'm not one of them, but has, has the Foo Fighters put out something as good as Spice World? Is all I'm asking. Yes. <laughs> all right, let's go to the next one. She's long gone. See, this whole album too is a it's a it's a little slow, but then they do kick in with some some good guitar licks too, but. It seems like the tempo of this whole album is kind of right here. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of fuzz tone. And I, I would love to see if it was the idea of Dan or the production team to make it this fuzzy. Well, I think that probably goes back to the roots because they started in uh, Patrick Carney's basement. Really? That's how they, uh, that's where they recorded, I think, their first two albums. Or maybe they're just their demo. I'm not sure. But uh, but that's... it was just in their basement. I think it was on a four-track recorder, and that was it. And they made up the lyrics as they went. And, well, some of them were covers, but... So that's, it's funny you bring that up, because Patrick Carney, hit, can, we, can we just stop for a second and talk about how amazingly talented this man is? And see him live? Uh, I, I mean, I, he puts his whole body into hit those drums, man. It's, it's amazing. It's crazy. And he's one of, uh, and I'm, I'm saying this with love, the ugliest guitar uh, drummers that I've ever seen. The ugliest oh, now musicians he's gonna I've call ever us. seen. Come on. <laughs> Dang it, Pat. You know, I didn't, I didn't. I meant it with love. And here's the reason why he doesn't need to call us or be offended. He just got married to Michelle Branch. Michelle Branch. Because he's just he's that Carter. damn talented. Yeah. Um, but uh, but despite that, there is this amazing group that's coming out called Repeat Repeat with their new album Glazed and Confused, and they recorded it with Patrick. And the the insight that they gave me about working with Patrick Carney is that he is so infatuated and obsessed with music that he would just sit there for hours with them. And I mean, granted, they're an amazing band. Repeat Repeat, check them out. Uh, they are just an upcoming band. He's, he was. You know, he was just dedicated to the sound, and he put his own drums onto their, their album, and he would give them advice, you know, and try to help them out. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's everything. He's so he, he's so trustworthy and so obsessed with music that whatever he would say would be like just gems of wisdom. I mean, he, he uh, seeing somebody who's that passionate about music is is it's, it's wonderful. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he, he is, and a phenomenon. you can tell when they. I'm listening to the songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. And the drum beats, you know, they're good, but they're just steady. It's like Ringo-style drumming. It's just good, steady beats. I mean, but when he, when you see him live, I mean, he's just... I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> who, who, you know, of all the shows that you've seen live, who are the best drummers you've ever seen? Oh, I would say him. Okay. Um, Jeez. That's a tough question. I'll, I'll, let me think about that as we continue here. How about you? I was asking. I was yeah. So um, in my mind, I was thinking about you were you were doing like the thrashing motion of playing drums and seeing Travis Barker from Blink One Eighty Two. That was pretty tam- that would pretty it, insane. They would be a pretty crazy band to see. Yeah, I've seen the. I've, or did you see Blink or did you see? I saw Blink. Okay, I've seen Blink. Uh, that was my go-to band in high school. So I saw them maybe ten times. Yeah, po- from the Pop Disaster tour to working with Matt Skiba now. And I know this that's crazy because well, we've talked about Alkaline Trio. So oh, yeah. I was going to say uh, the drummer from Alkaline Trio too. What's his name? Uh, that is now. Why am I blanking? Of course. Okay, so it's Matt Skiba, it's Dan, and then. Why am I blanking on this guy's name now? Okay, now I got to look this up. All right, you you t- you take over from from here. I'm gonna just. I, well, I mean, I love Alkali Trio. I've seen them several times as well, and I, I 
I mean, they always put on a good show, too. I'm trying to think of, like... Derek Grant. Ah, okay. And Derek Grant, actually, he now drums for multiple punk bands. He was on tour with the Vandals, and he Oh, really? The Riot Vandals? Yeah. Man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> I haven't listened to them in a long time. The next album. All right. Yeah, come back All and right. we'll, we'll look at whatever their anniversary is. And we'll get oh, you yeah, back well, on obviously. <laughs> All right, let's dive back into the Black Keys, Black Mud. Ooh, I like the start of this. This is a, another song I would say that um, a lot of times I would skip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I was getting ready for the podcast here, I, I listened to it a couple of times. Okay. Um, and I don't know why I would... I, I think I just skipped it because it didn't have any lyrics. And it's just uh, a oh, straight so musical. L- lyricless song. Yeah. And... But I mean, just the guitar in this is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they really vibe, but I think this is what they call baby-making music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is this is the first time that I've listened to the album all the way through front mm-hmm. to back, and it's cool because we can dive into this and see what kind of approach they were going with because most albums, believe it or not, kids, are, are meant to be listened to front to back. There was a science behind it, and it's not just all singles. Yeah, I, and this one, I think, really takes you through... Well, I mean, a lot of blues is all about love, Love lost, being broke. Mm-hmm. This whole album does that from the beginning all the way to the end. Yeah, it, you know, it's about getting the girl. It's about finding the next girl. It's about screwing up in a relationship. It's about being broke, and and getting caught cheating or cheating on a woman. I mean, there's just so much in this album. Mm-hmm. And it, and you, when you start at the beginning, he's really looking for love, looking for love, looking for love. And then when as we get towards the end. Um, you know, it's about losing it, and uh, well, we'll get there. But oh god, I just there's so you did, many. You did some foreshadowing there. I know, I know. You know <laughs> well, if you even if you look at the the titles of a lot of the songs, I mean, it kind of goes in that order too. But I can feel you on that. It's it's interesting because Black Mud, uh, it's very Led Zeppelin esque. I, I guess you hmm. can say. You know, you can, you can hear a lot of that dun 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 dun. dun. Oh yeah, you might have missed it in the beginning, but um. What I want to know is why do bands like choose that instrumental over another instrumental? Like, is that vibe or that groove just so good? They like, must have just been doing there. it, but like, I love it. You like it? I love it. <laughs> or, or, or like, maybe they're like in the studio and they're be. just like they're just jamming out and they're just like, dude, Pat, that was some sick beats. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> lay it down one more time. Well, brother. I also read because they were in Alabama, that's a small town where they uh, recorded this mm-hmm. that. They there was nothing to do. So after they would basically oh. record some songs that mm-hmm. day, they'd go back to the hotel and they'd just get lit up. And they would probably just start jamming out and then, <laughs> then this is what you got. I could see that because that's what you need to do sometimes. I think that the Eagles and Queen and all, especially all those bands in the 70s uh, who were you know prone to drugs, prone to alcohol, the producers saw it behind their mind because they needed to make money off these talented artists and they're like, we got to put these guys in the middle of freaking nowhere. It put them in a <laughs> farmland in the middle of Oregon. Led Zeppelin did that too. Yeah. They, yeah they... Isn't that funny because you always see photos of these bands that are playing just in farmhouses right. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Kanye West did it in, in Oregon. Oh, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. He... I don't follow Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't like him as a person. Oh, you don't like him as a person? No. He's he's just, you know, he's it's funny He's because he's kind of an enigma because there are so many rappers who, you know, they are, they're charged with beating up somebody or they do drugs or they sell yeah. guns. But Kanye West is all he is is just kind of an asshole. And then everyone's yeah. like, screw him! Yeah. It's like, he doesn't really do anything wrong. He's like a father and he writes albums. And everyone's like, yeah. I know. I just don't like him. <laughs> you know what? I like Jay-Z. Jay-Z? Yeah. What the- he did cheat on Beyonce. I don't know how you do that. How do you, you, how how do you cheat, cheat on, on Beyonce? B? <laughs> do you Love that woman. Do you think Kanye ever cheats on a Kim? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> You think Kim ever cheats on Kanye? Yes. Okay. I, yep. I mean, you're the most beautiful and most uh, well, well-known Well, let's not get carried ever. away here. Most beautiful? I'm talking about Kanye. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> let's, go to the, let's go to the next song. The Only oh, yeah. One. Kanye also has a song called The Only One. Just pointing it out there. That he yeah, it's with. not on my playlist. <laughs> it's with Paul McCartney, actually. Is it really? Yeah. It's his, it's his tie-on. Oh, see... I love when they transition into these organ parts because it reminds me of an old Beatles song. They've covered the Beatles, she really? said, yeah. Oh, man. That was on the big come up. 
Ah, such a good band. And this like you just get taken back to like 1960s. I love his vocals in this too. It sounds almost like a Tame Impala song, to be honest. Ooh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I thought of that. They kind of, they must have been vibing a little bit together. Because it's interesting. Because when you're writing music, you know that you're not just sitting in a in a, in a music list chamber. Mm-hmm. The Beatles wrote a lot of their songs because they were listening to um, Bob Dylan or the Beach Boys, and that's where they got their influence from. Maybe they were listening to each other's music. But did Tame Impala really? I think. I mean, I I just heard of them about three years ago, three or four years ago. They were probably after the Black Keys. Yeah. Okay, I could see Dan sitting in his in his bedroom on it on his bed with his guitar, thinking, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe she is the only one for, for me. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's, I mean, it's a lot of. Uh, I mean, it really takes you on this emotional tour of relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? A quick uh, little tidbit of information for you. Uh, this just in. A little gem. <laughs> just came in. Um, you mentioned the fact that they were recording in a small little town in Alabama, and that's mm-hmm. true. They were in a cinder block building in the middle of nowhere in that state with just five microphones, a drum set, a guitar amp, and that was it, according to Pat. Clearly, the duo is, you know, that talented. They, they don't need all that fancy No. Equipment. And you can kind of tell. I, I, that's why I like it, the dirty sound of it. I think that's what makes the Black Keys the Black Keys. That's a good point. You know why they're called the Black Keys? I do. Okay. <laughs> do you want to break the news? <laughs> I'll let you take uh, that They one. had a schizophrenic friend mm-hmm. that before they were big, he used to call their homes and leave incoherent messages, I believe, and called one of their fathers the Black Keys or something like that. Yeah. So it, it was the Black Keys was a phrase he used that was similar to like being called a bad egg, like you're hmm. a Black Key. I never actually. I didn't know that part of it. Well, this is from uh, ppcorn.com, and I and I trust everything that. They oh say. yeah, yeah I'm, I subscribe. <laughs> so, I love this song. Though. It's it's a cool vibe that they that you're getting into, and as you mentioned, it's kind of like we're going on a journey with the Black Keys through this album. And you know what? I think it's time to go into the next song. Too afraid to love you. These videos are so distracting. I know. (laughs) I've never seen them. I've only listened to the music. (laughs) So they're obviously, we've mentioned how creative they are. This one is, uh, I guess, with puppets. Oh, yeah. 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 Man, he just... just a vibey kind of voice that, yeah. that Dan has. And the city blocks, they drive me wild. And when you see him live too, I, I, the one thing I love about, uh, like, I love about seeing bands live is when they. I'm too afraid to love you. I mean, just great, but. Um, when when they just they feel the music and you can see them feel the music on on stage. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that is both Dan and Patrick. They just you just see it in their whole body. Yeah, yeah. I it's 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 awesome to see how passionate they are about their music. And Arcade Fire was like is like that too live. I don't know if you've see, seen them live. I but. I've s i saw them at Lollapalooza, I think, two two years ago. And they were pretty Damn awesome! Yeah, I mean that's a band that gets into it. It's cool. Yes, they, and they all play like eighty-five instruments. Eighty-five instruments and like, like three hundred and eighty-five shows right. a year. It's you're, incredible. You're, every every day you're playing the same set and you still get into it. Oh, there's there's nothing better. Oh, so you, you yourself play music too? I play a little guitar, not um, not well. I would okay. say uh, <laughs> no. Actually, uh, a buddy of mine when I lived in Minneapolis, we had a little duo, and we would play open mics and parties really? at friends' houses and stuff like that. We wrote one song that uh, we were real proud of. We wrote a bunch of other crappy ones, mm-hmm. and uh, well, actually two that we actually liked. We would play in front of people, um, but mostly we would just do covers. Okay, what yeah. what was the song that you were proud of? What was it called? 
Ah, uh, it was. Gosh, man, this is bringing me back to, to about 2010 too. Uh, That's a really long title, man. Gosh, man, <laughs> bringing me back to 2010. I can't. I can't remember the damn name of the song. Well, what though. was the name of the band? Uh, the duo. Oh, we were uh, sound on tape. Sound on tape. Oh, yeah, like it was. A, well, he was a reporter. I'm a reporter. So there was a little play on television. <laughs> Because a soundbite in television is called a SOT, uh-huh. which stands for sound on tape. Okay. So we were sound on tape. So you didn't really want to go with SOT, like the SOTs? Nah. We, we, well, we figured our t-shirts, it'd just say SOT across the front, mm-hmm. and then we would have the uh, sound on tape. Man, you were so indie. Oh, man. We were amazing. Jeez. What, <laughs> what, what was your go-to outfit when you'd play shows? Um, we were casual, just casual. Uh, yeah, like, like kind of what I'm wearing now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, that's pretty nice. Yeah, we didn't have any costumes or anything. That would have been amazing. But it was a lot you of did fun. Have costumes. Yeah. Though. You're like, yeah, we wore like luchadora hats, and, like masks, <laughs> top hats, <laughs> I, I, tuxedos. I, I put on makeup that was similar to kisses. You know, just <laughs> for friends' parties. <laughs> that was a good one. It, you know, it's it's funny because the more and I I listen to these albums, and it's usually albums that I've loved and I hear of, but I only know a couple songs from them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it kind of puts you in a weird mood because you're hanging out and and talking to your buddy about music, and you're just using this as the background. It, music makes you talk about different weird things, doesn't right. it? Yeah, it's like putting makeup on, <laughs> like Kiss. I mean, no, I mean, but it, it's, there was another thing that I used to do with my buddy that I played with. He would sing, I would play guitar, and then, but we would just go, oh, wait, wait, have you heard this song? Mm-hmm. And then we'd play a song. Be, oh, I love that song. Have you heard this song? Mm-hmm. It remind me of another song, or it did remind him of one. We'd do that till like three or four o'clock in the morning. Wow. And and then it'd be like, all right, I got to go to bed. We got to work tomorrow. <laughs> And, but we would do that a lot because we'd practice, so we'd play for a while, and then you know eventually it would it would be getting too late to be playing in our basement or my basement, and mm-hmm. then uh, so then we'd go upstairs and just listen to music, have a couple of beers, and then it was just it was just we couldn't stop listening once we got going. Yeah, and yeah. it was just great because it introduced me to a ton of music that I hadn't heard. Yeah, and I introduced a bunch of music to him that he hadn't heard. Like he'd never heard of Alkaline Trio, mm-hmm. and we ended up playing. We used to play a lot of them when we would play nice so uh because i love them so do you remember so this is a buddy do you still stay in contact yeah 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 um, so I, yeah just saw him up in minneapolis oh really yeah we actually i played for his um his birthday two years ago oh nice yeah we went up there and played a little show do you remember like i uh, so i asked the guys from no coast cinema in the last episode this question because they were two buddies who came together but do you remember the first like song you guys were bonded over because that often happens my when i was in high school me and my buddy we were I, my buddy pete and i i saw him with some mxpx patches on his backpack mm-hmm. and i was like wow he i love the mxpx too yeah. who is this guy uh, I think I heard him. We went to a, it was a live karaoke bar in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and he was singing and it was just like, I, I don't remember what song it was, but I was like, oh my God, he can sing. Wow. Oh, I do remember. And I, uh, but so anyway, so we were at the bar and I said, you know, if I learned a couple songs and uh, would you want to sing? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And so we started, he gave me a couple songs and I learned them and then he, we kind of got going. And then the first song that we really got into was, a cover of Empire State by Jay-Z. Okay, okay. And we had this kind of almost a country twang to it. Oh, and wow. Yeah, so we, it, it was like, you know, it was. I did it with um, the acoustic, and then, uh, but we kind of just had the lyrics down, mm-hmm. and then we would just kind of go into it, and then it was really a slowed down version and let his vocals just carry it. Yeah, yeah. And and we, it wasn't like a, you know, like the song goes, but, uh, but the, I mean, the lyrics still held up, and so we Alicia just kind of made up the song. In, in it well, she called and she wanted did. to, oh, and my buddy song? was like, mm, you know, uh, I don't know. I think we got this one. <laughs> I think we can do this. We're a duo, yeah. not a trio, Alicia. <laughs> Maybe next time. So is this one of your favorite songs? Is Ten Cent Pistol? Yes. And this one is uh, about getting caught cheating. Ooh. And again, just real simple intros. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gets you in the vibe. 
Yeah, I love the Black Keys that the way that they use almost their songs like almost as a narrative. It has a beginning, it has a middle, oh, yeah. and it has an end. And they definitely take you, like we said, on a journey with this album. A lot of a lot of building from it, and you can see that the song is kind of taking a path rather than being like, here's the catchy hook, boom, right. you know, right into the the bridge. This one kind of just, you need to you need to get your time invested. Isn't that just a it's great song? F- it's funky. God. Takes you to the Wild West. I just, well, you know what I always think about when I listen to when I hear this song is just being in a super dark, almost like smoky room mm-hmm. and, you know, like a slow ceiling fan going. <laughs> I mean, that's where my mind is where this song takes place. There's like just sweat billowing on the glass next yes, to you. Yes, yeah. Oh, and I then like it. you're about ready to walk in, you're kind of stumbling a little mm-hmm. bit. There she is. The oh. Tencent Pistol. Jeez. <laughs> One of those dresses that just shows the leg a little bit. Oh yeah, and there's a nice guy playing the up. piano in the background. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm reading. I'm reading the more and more about this album, and it looks like you were exactly right. This is about uh, like Dan, because I'm sorry, Patrick going through this divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Or was it Dan? No, no, it was Patrick. It was Patrick. Yeah, it was just. I guess like he had been together for two years, but together nine with this woman, and the he, I guess that she had slept with his best friend, lied at him, built him for money. He, he was drinking heavily, gained 25 pounds, but he was miserable. And this was kind of his therapy, yeah. almost, putting together this album. It, you know, it, it was my therapy for it, when, yeah. <laughs> when my relationship at the 2010. When you when you're listening to music, do you like what's your, do you ever listen to sad songs like when you're sad just to make yeah. yourself super duper oh, extra sad? Absolutely. Um, Elliot Smith. Oh, I. I mean, Smith. you want to feel bad? Ooh. Listen to Elliot Smith. Like, I want the rain to be coming down. <laughs> At a nice medium pace. I want to be able to hear it. I want to hear thunder in the background. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I just want to be sunk in a chair. Yeah. Listen to Elliot Smith with, a, you know, like a glass of bourbon in my hand. Yeah, you know what? It's it's so it, it's true. You can't listen to Elliot Smith like in a group of people. You need to be alone no, with your headphones. That would be weird. <laughs> that, is, that is like the saddest birthday party ever. It's just like, throw on some Elliot. It's like, dude, come on. What's my gift? Oh, it's a sandwich. It's just like this. everything is just sadder and sadder it's a piece um, of yeah. coal. i do like I, I do listen to music sometimes just to like if i you get that mood and you're like mm-hmm. no i want to feel really bad yeah and, and and the thing is it almost feels good it does that bad. it does uh, that's weird to say it, it 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 kind of is but that's that's what uh this podcast two dudes one disc dives into you know it dives into what music makes us feel and also has a ridiculously silly name mm-hmm. <laughs> yes um but that makes me feel good it, yeah exactly i think that whenever i uh, i whenever i like i'm trying to figure out the different times in you know how i'm feeling with my emotions or something like that i will listen to really sad songs to feel sad rufus wainwright is oh a yeah he's a to good one sad too. yeah uh, we did a previous episode on that but then at the same time working out i need to listen to either you know just gritty rock and roll like bayside or Alkaline trio something or blink 182 something that keeps me in a pace but then there's times when I'm cooking, mm-hmm. and I can only listen to either Frank Sinatra or like Chris Stapleton country. Right, and that's it. I well, see when I cook, I like blues. Blues. Um, I love. Uh, and, and this it was the Black Keys that actually got me into a couple of, like Gary Clark Jr. Mm-hmm. and uh, Patrick Sweeney. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I'll listen to that because it's like just enough to get me going, but not enough to, you know. Like Alkaline Trio, where it's just yeah. like, ah, you know, that kind of stuff. Where you're like, all right, I get it, man. Yeah. I'll put some extra hot sauce on it, I guess. <laughs> just leave me alone. Let's get into the next song real quick. Sinister Kid. Sinister Kid. 
It's a long album, too. <laughs> it's it's so a lot long. of songs. I think we, there's what 13 songs. We've actually been here for about 48 hours. Right. It's you're you like need to shave now. <laughs> I, I got a shower. So it seems like Dan was not a sinister kid. He was actually considered one of the cooler kids in high school. He was the captain of his soccer team. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that he was kind of like the cool dude, which is funny because... He's still cool. He's still damn cool. Do you think Patrick was uh, one of the cool no, kids? No, Patrick wasn't. He was he like... Uh, but they had been friends since they were like eight or nine years old. But Patrick was not the cool kid. Man, that's awesome that they were friends. I know, and I, they stayed friends too. And and, and and they got to play music together. Yeah. And then tour the world. That's like the ultimate of friendships. I mean, I, yeah, you get to you get to go play music for a living and see all of the coolest places in the world mm-hmm. and get paid to do it. Paid with your buddy. Yeah, your 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 drinking buddy. Yeah, you can just sit but there. You know, since you were a kid, <laughs> that'd uh, be pretty awesome. Yeah. The other thing is, uh, I um, I want to say too that uh, they weren't supposed to be a duo. Really? They were supposed to be like a, a band, and they were just kind of jamming in Patrick's basement. And I, I want to say like uh, the, the other musicians didn't show up. And so they, they were just jamming, and they just kind of got after it, and then they just liked it. Huh. And they just went for it. That's you don't think cool. of a blues band as being a two-piece or two-piece. a duo, yeah. No, yeah, at least three because you need like some kind of baseline. Yeah. yeah, the baseline. But you know, it's it, being a musician, and I'm sure you can. You've been through this too. It is so hard to pin down musicians like yeah. a group of a band and people who could stick together. Maybe that's why they did create this common bond because they were the only ones who were free enough to create. Yeah, it. to do it. Yeah. Um, it, so I guess the album's art direction, you know, that classic black and red look that they have going. It just works. Words, yeah. it, just words designed by Michael Carney, the brother of Patrick Carney, um, who wanted a, a little change. A lot of imagination. A lot of imagination, but he wanted to change from like the the over illustrated drawings and just keep it really simple. And damn, did that work! Mm-hmm. Oh, the those T-shirts are still some of my favorite T-shirts. Get this, Michael won in 2011 the Grammy Award for Best Album. Oh, package. I didn't know that. Yeah, his brother won too. Oh, that's they cool. They were taking over the world at oh, that time. Man, sinister little kids. All right, since this album is another six and a half hours, we're going to just skip to the next (laughs) one real quick. We got The Go. Oh, this is my other favorite song. This has got the best chorus of the entire album, I think. And it's straight up blues that I just love. They use a little dynamic, ethereal uh, reverb here to start it off. This, this is some of the best lyrics on this uh, this song, too, I think. They've only said four words in right. this entire song. Oh, it gets here. better. <laughs> <laughs> best lyrics ever. so good. So the more and more I'm thinking about it, the more that this album is really heavily drum-based. You know, you can hear that it's kind of driving the way through, and that kind of creates the vibe for it, because there's no there's no separation from it. It's just the same kind of beat. Yeah. Kind of, uh, an amazing vibe. This is an awesome song. Oh, I love this song. So the, if you were wondering, we were just talking about the, the illustrations and, and the fonts and everything that they were using. That is actually called Cooper Black, and that was used, the iconic font of also, what? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> Muscle Shoals Studio <laughs> down in Alabama. <laughs> which, um, and the more and more I'm looking into this Muscle Shoals sound studio, which obviously has documentaries, everyone knows about it. The Doors created L.A. Woman there. Uh, Supergrass recorded there. First three albums of the Fratellis. Oh, man, the Fratellis, the uh, Blackhawks uh, song. 
I was written by them. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Pretty pretty famous yeah. album. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, it's weird how those like little places like that, they just have that sound and then everybody goes there. Yeah, like what makes it so special? Is it just like in the walls? Or like Abbey Road, which is, you know, just an office building. Mm-hmm. It's not a, not a, a sprawling like mansion or something. Uh, why go, everyone go there? Or oh, Sun Studios in Nashville. Yeah. Or, or even Chess Studios here in Chicago. Like um, Mick Fleetwood, uh, he said one of the main reasons he's gotten into music was hearing the blues that came out of Chess Studio. I mean, Chicago. We didn't even mention the fact that we're listening oh, to the yeah. blues album and we Chicago, were recording yeah. here in Chicago. I mean, this is one of the most bluesy city, cities that there is. All right. I think that's one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. so far. I, Palm I, Trees, Flat Broke Disease. That's one of oh, my favorite. I love that so liar. <laughs> now we're going to go into I'm Not the One. So you can see after he's been through cheating, he's been through heartbreak. Now he's coming to the realization, I think, of I'm Not the One. The other thing is when they're live, I mean, you could just see how they look at each other, the way, like, I mean, they're just hitting those. They're so tight. Yeah. And it, it is a lot of it is eye contact oh that Dan gosh, has yeah. with Patrick. And I mean, he'll walk right over there and then they'll just go at it and then it, they'll hit that. Uh, they'll hit it perfectly every time. It's, okay, that's another weird thing about music because they are so tightly wound together and it has to be from the years that they were together. But when I'm playing music, and tell me if you're the same way, when I'm playing music at, at either an open mic night or something where I need to play with an other musician, our, I, and I look back at the video, our eye, eye, eye contact, when we're really gro- grooving on it, is almost like animalistic. It is. It's like... That's how, I mean, you, and you just tell from like a from just a stressing of your pupils, right? Oh, when I was so when we would play, he would sing, mm-hmm. and I mean, I was almost staring at his mouth the entire time, <laughs> like watching him go. And because, and then I would, you know, I, I would just have to, I'd either speed up sometimes or yeah. I'd just have to slow down sometimes. But I mean, I was just zeroed in, just dead focused on him. I never looked at the audience once. No, no, no. I had no idea that there could have been one person there or twenty five. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're all just really nervous guys. Oh, I, you gotta think. Do you think they 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 have to get nervous a little bit, right? Still, oh, it, oh, I mean, I'd get more nervous playing in front of like a room of like twenty people who were super silent than a room of like fifty thousand people who were yeah. chatting. I mean, I feel like that'd be a little bit more. Well, when you get up on stage, your your heart so did you still oh my, beat a little bit harder every faster? single time. Yeah, and I look at myself in the mirror, and my I get the like the flush, like where your neck is like red, and it's all because I'm just so nervous. So yeah, so the last my going away party in in Minneapolis, we did a whole show. Um, you know, I think we played for like forty minutes or something. We played mm-hmm. every song we knew, mm-hmm. and. I was so nervous, mm-hmm. and my heart was just pounding out of my chest. <laughs> and I was there was a point where I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's just weird because, you know, I talk in front of people all the time, uh-huh. but for some reason, playing music is just opening yourself up, I think, to a, a, a way that our bodies just aren't designed. I don't know how you don't get nervous doing this. Well, but I mean, it's, yeah, you, you have to, there has to be something in you because you're, you're asking the audience kind of to judge you on your talent. Right. It's like, can I hit this note correctly? And you, you're on TV every day. Yeah. He, like thousands and thousands of people have the chance to see you. And then you would get nervous in front of your friends. At I, a party. I know. I These know. It's so weird. <laughs> I know. It's very, very strange. But, but it's a weird phenomenon. But my heart. But it would take me about three songs. Uh-huh. And... What, about the third song, I was like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Oh, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can play this song, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Or, or like the same thing with me. I, I could play three songs and get ready to go, and then and then I could feel the vibe of the audience. And it can, and it all comes from eye contact because, like, the scariest thing is when you get done playing and it's just dead silence. Yeah. And you're like, oh, God. That's hmm. like, well, that's... All right. Can- <laughs> uh, our next song is... <laughs> Let's just dive into the next song while we read it. Unknown Brother. I think this was actually about uh, Dan's other brother, Jed. Um, yeah, he uh, he played the triangle, and they just wouldn't let him <laughs> into the band. They just, he tried his hardest. I think this is uh, this is uh, to me like an alter ego. Mm-hmm. 
right away Beatles influences. You can hear that 1960s, early 70s kind of grooving by the grass kind of sound. I just I love how they lull you into the song a little mm-hmm. bit too. They really dry in. Dan is one of the most masterful guys with his use of pedals. Like when you're watching him play, does he have a big setup um, in front of him? Yeah, but he's got it. But he's also got uh, you know about 800 guitars that they keep bringing out that are all tuned specifically for those songs. He doesn't use a, 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 the same guitar for a lot of the like each almost every song. Yeah. Ah, I don't want to say every song. Well, there's a lot of them that he will change guitars like boom boom and then right back into it. But yeah, there's a whole board up there that he hits for pedals. Huh? You know, because I, I always see the 800 guitars too, and but there's only so so many tunings. So. Yeah, so maybe, you get maybe not 800. Maybe I was exaggerating. No, no, no. The, I think it's like 725, <laughs> actually. I think I read that someplace. I think I read uh, it on... Was that uh, in PP Corn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got com? it last month, Because yeah. I, tr- I trust everything that they say, just <laughs> just so you know. Uh, yeah, I guess so, because you have, you have, like, what, drop D, which I'm sure that they use every but once even, in a But even, like, Head the... down a half step. Or just, you know, very specific mm-hmm. uh, tuning for, for that song. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And not necessarily, I mean, it may just be a, a maybe the D is off a little, mm-hmm. but the rest of it's tuned the same. Or, you know, I mean, it, I mean, they, it's it's very interesting to watch. Look at that. We're wa- we're watching um, this song on a YouTube clip right now, but it's a it's photo a of, still them, shot. of yeah. them when they were very young. And they look like every high school band you've ever seen. But I mean, look at look at I mean you can almost see the passion. Yeah. In Dan and Patrick. Yeah. He's like just grooving out. Patrick's super skinny, just eyes closed on the drum set. Mm-hmm. Dan, long hippie hair, beard, just rocking out on the guitar. You know who else Dan really reminds me of is Jack White too. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. The, the guys who were just like you're like, dude, do you sleep with your guitar? It's just <laughs> yeah. like, well, k- take it easy, brother. Yeah, he. <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> well, because they just seem like they're just built with a guitar in right. their hand. Yeah. Like, there's just some dudes who look like they've never left a room without their guitar. Oh, it's almost man. weird to see them with. I would a say those, I would say Dan and, well, and Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Prince was the best guitar player I've ever seen live. Then probably Dan, then Jack White. Um, those are probably my top three. So you uh, came from Minneapolis. Right. Um, I worked there for four years before coming to Chicago. I've been in Chicago for almost six. And then where are you from originally? Des Moines. Des Moines? Okay. So, because I was going to say, you went to Minneapolis. Is it still required by law for everyone to like Prince and like love him as... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I I don't think, I don't think that's just in Minnesota. See, here's the thing with Prince. Do you not like Prince? Is that what you're trying to tell me? You know, the thing is, I I love Prince. Is it like a David Grohl thing? It kind of is. Really? I, the thing I feel about Prince... Here's the thing... Okay, go ahead. Oh, no. (laughs) You're, you're ready with an argument. I I am. This is the Minneapolis uh, (laughs) area coming out of you. Uh, I can feel it because every time I mention this to somebody who's from like Winona or like Duluth, they're just like, wait a minute. And they're just like, stop everything, take off their jacket. And they're like, let me tell you something about Prince here. <laughs> I, I think it's just, I love his music. I know he's a great guitar player. I know he's awesome at, at just writing songs and writing mm-hmm. songs for other people. His voice is cool. He has a cool look. But the thing was, it's almost like he was stuck in a time machine and never left the 1980s because oh, none man. of the music transcends. Like if I put out Purple Rain today, I, I feel like I would get laughed into Tuscaloosa. Oh man, I that's so now, now, hard. And now, uh, now the debate team offers the ribbon to you. To yes. To okay. So <laughs> the thing about Prince is. I mean, he's everything. Uh-huh. I mean, he, a lot of people know him by Purple Rain, I would mm-hmm. say. But, I mean, he was funk. He was blues. He was pop rock. Mm-hmm. He was uh, just straight up rock. I mm-hmm. mean, he could do everything. And he was just so brilliant and so good. And uh, the one thing about Prince that I would say is anybody that tells me that they don't like Prince is because you've not heard enough of his music. Uh, okay. Okay. That's a fair, because fair to say. I guarantee you there are Prince songs for Michael Heidemann. <laughs> I mean, uh, really? Oh God. I mean, 1999. Uh, oh man. I mean, there's just so many. It's so, so good. Uh, I mean, but it does. Over cause it's 19. <laughs> Never left the eighties. Never. <laughs> that didn't, that's not step one foot out of the 1980s. Oh man. Well, I, well you could also say the seventies and too with his funk. 
Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I guess you're right. I did see there is one uh, music clip that I love watching on YouTube, and I actually oh, every time I come by, it's a Beatles, right? Uh, no, when he brings on Michael Jackson up oh, to the stage. No, I yeah. I would thought you were going to do when they played uh, when the guitar gently weeps. My guitar gently weeps. He plays the Beatles. Yeah, he plays. I think it was George Harrison's birthday or something. Wow! And it was like him and Tom Petty. Damn! And uh, you should pull that up right now because it's uh, amazing. The it o- is. It's it's really good. The only time he stepped out of the 1980s was that one moment with the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, you know, what? if we get any hate mail, I, I'm so you can send it to Eric and not and not well, me. Well, Sound Sessions Podcast at gmail.com. Tell me why I'm wrong about Prince. We're almost through oh, this album, though. Man, here it is. Ooh, I feel like I'm already gonna like this one. It's like a ballad almost <laughs> for the end of the album. Never gonna give you up. Holy smokes, is this Dan singing? His range is yeah. incredible, and I don't think he—I don't think they use any. Anything on like, the mic. Sounds like Darling Love almost. He just he just is uh, so talented. With another guy. See, now his girl's cheating on him. See, the, the full range of motions. <sighs> Man, I'm exhausted. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to go home and have to take a nap. I've been, I'm going to have to go home and listen to Elliot Smith, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> I'm going to have to go home and listen to the whole Prince anthology when I get home. <laughs> Who, feel, who you feel worse for. This is a good one. Let's dive into the last song on the album, though, before we give this bad boy a rating with These Days. All right, so they're saving, like, the, like, lovey-dovey 1960s uh, ballads for the last two songs. Hmm. It is. It's. It's. It is like coming out of a relationship. Maybe they're seeing the light now. Yeah. Well, I think they started with the everlasting light. They were looking for love. Oh, good point. Right. And yeah. then you know, my next girl, and then they get Howling into the for you. Yeah. Exactly. Then they finally get the girl. Then they cheat on her, and then it's ten cent pistol, mm-hmm. and then, and then you know, getting her back and alter ego, oh, and man. and now he's just like you know reflecting on it. He just probably listened to an Elliott Smith album. He's really sad. Sitting there with his headphones on. Prince t-shirt ripped in half on the corner. You know? Just one Kurt Cobain poster on the wall. (laughs) With a cigarette hole in it. (laughs) But I think... I love this album. Yeah. I think it's ready to get into the rating of the album, though. For the Black Keys Brothers, the 2010 Grammy Darling album... An amazing, amazing album. I think uh, in full, the length was six hours and 25 minutes. <laughs> no, just joking. It's 55 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, recorded out in Muscle Shoals, Alabama. One of Eric Rung's favorite... Vacation spots, actually. I got a home. Oh, there. really? Yeah. In Alabama? No. Oh, I was, I was, in Muscle Shoals? <laughs> do, do you hang out with Pat and Dan out down there? Oh, when they're in doubt. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take a look at the final rating for this. And okay. the way that we rate these albums is on the Avenge 7 scale. Okay. Yes. The Avenge 7 scale coined and patented by Tom Hush on our first episode. Got to give him a little credit. Um, this is a, a scale that is slipping, sliding. We have one true neutral, which is four. You can use that to your advantage. Um, we do rate the, the albums on the emoji scale, which is... One to seven heart emojis. We keep all things positive. Okay. Um, if you don't like the album at all, you can tell me to go f myself, and I could turn it off right now. But we did love oh, this play album. Play it today. again. <laughs> play it again from the start. Let's go through it again, Michael. Come on. I love it. So here we go. You ready to rate this bad boy? I, I, just tell me what the highest one is, because that's what I'm going to give it. Because I this is one of my favorite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean. It, it, it's just it, it's perfect mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you just can't get any better than this is my favorite album of the Black Keys I would say even too wow so favorite album of all time favorite album of the Black Keys I'm one of my favorite of all time I, I do have others but uh, <laughs> I, that's too hard you can't you can't put music into a box like that when I, when I say favorite album of all time what's the first one that comes to your head 1999. Oh my gosh, I knew you were going to go there. I knew you were going to go there. All right, so you're going to give this one seven heart emojis out of seven? Yes. All right. That's a strong rating. Ah, There's nowhere to go up but down. So good. But down. 
Now, if we do Prince, you might have to give him a six and a half. I, I mean, there are, there are there are some Prince that I that I <laughs> I'm not a big fan of. So, <laughs> well, let me look at this album. Uh, I'm gonna look at it subjectively. I'm gonna look at it harshly, but I'm also gonna look at it the way that we kind of vibed through it. I love the narrative that they created with uh, the album Brothers. I love the stories behind it. And now knowing about the heartbreak of Patrick Carney and the intense work of Dan to create this sound on this album and going from two people to five people in the live experience. And for that reason, I'm going to give on the Avenged Seven scale, Brothers, a solid five heart emojis. Oh, man. All right, I'll, I'll take a five. That's pretty good. All right. I think I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this album, and I will definitely go back and re-listen to it. I it, I have a newfound respect for, for the Black Keys, that's for sure. Oh, man, so good. I can't wait to uh, hear their new album, which oh. is coming out uh, like three weeks. Really? Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you, do you have any insight on what the, the album's going to be called? Uh, I saw it online someplace. Um. I'm not, I can't remember uh, the name of the album though, but I know it's coming out. Uh, I think it's June 28th, and I can't wait. Well, go and check them out. They're going to be playing here in Chicago very soon. I'm going to keep this evergreen, so they're just going to be playing in Chicago one of these days. Yes, exactly. And go and check them out. Eric, where can we find more information on you, on your your great podcast, Single Married Divorce? Yep, that's, uh, you can find us at SMD Chicago on Twitter, Facebook, uh, also WGM Plus, iTunes, Google Play, and uh, you can find me on WGN Radio and WGN TV. Right on. Very, very cool. Thanks for joining me here on Two Dudes, One Disc. Again, smdchicago.com. You can find me at michaelheideman.com. You can email this podcast and tell me how much I screwed up your favorite album at soundsessionspod at gmail.com or soundsessionpod on Twitter or find us, just search Sound Sessions or my name, Mike Heideman, on the Googs. All right. This is an an excellent episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. How about we go out on your favorite? favorite song, Ten Cent Pistol. All right. Well,